Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Pair 90 podcast with me, your host, Tactically Matt, alongside one of my co-hosts, Jack Fawcett. Unfortunately, H couldn't be with us tonight as he's on holiday, so you can all go and give him a tweet, give him a bit of hate for us, and that'd be great. Um, we did organise for another guest to come on, but unfortunately, they're struggling for time as they decided a charity match was more important, which I think is probably fair enough. Um, and now, obviously, it's been an interesting weekend of football. We had the El Clasico on Thursday night, where Barcelona beat Real Madrid in a resolute performance, a bit of a different performance that we're used to seeing from Barcelona in terms of a lack of possession in the game, which you know we don't really associate with Barcelona, which we'll hopefully touch upon later on in the pod. We had the potential banana skin for Manchester City at home to Newcastle, obviously having an unbelievable season, fresh off the back of the Carabao Cup final defeat. So, you know, it's never going to be an easy game for them trying to pick themselves up. But Pep Guardiola's side got the job done, uh, keeping the pressure up on Arsenal at the top of the Premier League. And of course, the game of the weekend for the neutrals. Maybe not for me and Jack. Me, oh. obviously, being an Everton fan and Jack being a United fan. Jack, try your best to sum that game up for us. I mean, where do you even start with that? I mean, one of the worst United performances I've ever seen from both an individual <laughs> and a team level. Um, and the worst part is I thought the first half wasn't even too bad. I thought we held our own pretty well. We had our chances in the first half. And then in the second half, the first goal seems to... well. The second goal goes in and then the third straight after that and it's just a complete capitulation. Some of the individual errors and performances were just dreadful in that second half. But uh, Liverpool, relentless, just as much as it pays me to say it's top quality, just went went for it time after time again. It, it was horrible to watch. But, yeah, yeah. It, they're just so clinical and I think that's when Liverpool at their best, counter-attacking, you know, they, they dominate possession, but it's when they hit you in the transition that is, they're just so deadly in that front three, so quick. And like you've mentioned, it's painful to say, but I think if, you, if you'd if have fell asleep at half-time and someone said to you, that game's finished 7-0, you'd have, you just wouldn't have been able to understand it. Because like you said, there was there was chances for United, the Bruno header that went wide, yeah. you know, Anthony went one-on-one, Rashford had a, had a volley where, you know, he sort of miscued it and... And there was there was chances for United, but you just knew that they had to take them right there and then because yeah. you know Liverpool aren't gonna they're not gonna give up they're gonna keep coming at you they've got a powerful front three and if you keep making them individual individual errors it, it, it's just gonna cost you in the end and I think we said before we started this it was it was a seven nil performance from United but it wasn't a seven nil performance from Liverpool I don't think you know we've got to give them credit but they weren't even at their best to to beat you 7-0 and that's probably what's most painful for you as a United fan isn't it yeah I mean if you look at the XG it was like 2.5 and like 0.9 for United so it's just one of them days where just everything seems to be going in eight shots on target seven goals conceded I mean the transitions are what really killed us when we pushed men forwards to try and score very naive at about four to still push players forward that much and just try and 
save some dignity and, you know, just hold back. And it was just Salah absolutely tore us apart in behind Luke Shaw. He was getting onto Martinez. I've seen the video back on Twitter <laughs> of Martinez trying to defend up against him. It's horrible to rewatch, but Salah, I said it in the Champions League after they took the 2-0 lead against Real Madrid. His creativity is so underrated. He's just as creative as he is a goal threat for me, and he cut us apart time after time. Yeah, it's not even like you know, cons- like whipping crosses into the box or finding that. It's them little sort of little through balls he does. Like really, yeah. you know, it's not like cutting edge. It's just like little nicks here and there, but he times it to perfection every time. And you know, I hope people don't think you know we're not gr- giving Liverpool credit when we're saying it wasn't a seven 0 performance because they were yeah. deadly in front of goal, and that's that's you know completely the truth, but. I think it just shows, you know, Manchester United obviously battling for sort of maybe second place and third yeah. place. And, you know, you, you drop a 7-0 loss. I mean, it, it's absolutely crazy. It's, after the season they've had, and I think, I think like you mentioned there about sort of still trying to go for it at 4-0, I think that's definitely a little bit on, on Ten Hag. I think, I, yeah. I don't think he's the type of manager that's going to go, you know, 4-0, let's shut up, shut up, let's just, yeah. we'll have 4-0. We'll get 4-0, we'll get out of here and we'll move on. Yeah. It was, you know, can keep going, keep going. I think that's maybe a little bit of inexperience, maybe of Ten Hag being in that position. You know, yeah. used to being at Ajax, winning games regularly, and you know, we saw it at Brentford early in the season with a with a four 0 and yeah, I think that was definitely um, a bit of an inexperience there for sure. Yeah, I mean, some of some of the characters of the players that just looked like they completely gave up when they lost possession, and Liverpool just took full advantage of that in transition. Because if you've got one player that just gives up completely, that's it. You've got four or five runners running at that rest defence of United and they just shredded us. Then reverse passes from Salah. He draws a player out to him and then he just reverse passes it in behind the defence. And I think it was the Gakpo goal. It might have been a different goal, but there were so many of them. Like, But yeah, he just <laughs> reversed it completely through, uh, I think it was Luke Shaw, and just cut us to ribbons. He's a ridiculous player. But some yeah. of them attitudes from the United squad. As much as I, I want to analyze the game, it just infuriates me as a fan to see that attitude from the players. Yeah, and it's little things like after the game, Varane shouting at you know his teammates to go over to the to the fans. Yeah. And I mean, it's just one of the most basic things in football. After a game, you go to the fans. It doesn't matter the result. You take it. They're going to boo you. They're going to give yeah. it you. They're going to say all the words under the sun to you. But you go over to them fans. I know it's not. A, it wasn't a long journey and. You know, it's not like they've travelled six hours, but people spend a lot of money to watch football. You know, yeah. if you take if you're taking the the wins away from home, you know, against whoever, you've got to be able to go over and appreciate them and 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 thank them for coming and 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 apologising to them because you know they're they're quite happy when you when you've gone and won. I remember the Fulham game. You know, yeah. gone actually getting a late winner. They're quite happy to go over there then dancing with the yeah. fans and things like that, but. As soon as it's you know it's the other way around, it's like no, see you later. I mean, uh, yeah, for me, yeah. that's just completely unacceptable. Yeah, it's out of order. I mean, the fans that sit there and have just watched you ship seven goals and stayed in that stadium, taking all the stick off the Liverpool fans, it's really the least you can do is go up to them and just apologise for the performance, or just just to thank them for staying in the stadium. Because hmm. to be fair to Varane, he's usually the one getting the crowd going after a win. You see videos of him uh, just like fist pumping the crowd and hugging them all. So it's actually nice to see that he was the one to drag them all over. But 
just so annoying that most of them didn't want to do it. Yeah, and I think we're obviously trying to look at the game tactically, but especially the first half, I don't think there was too much wrong with the any kind of setup. I think when, once that first goal goes in, just you know, just before our time, and 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 obviously second half they come out all guns blazing, get a, get a second goal really quickly, and I think there was just so many individual errors rather than sort of tactical mistakes and yeah. not tracking runners, and and the shape of the defense at times was all over the place, and yeah. It, it, that's probably the most painful thing for Ten Hag because obviously if there's loads, of, you know, he, he's made a, a big decision tactically. He's tried to change the way they play, for example. He can yeah. go, look, I got that wrong. But he's obviously going to take blame. But if if that's me as a fan, I'm 100% looking at individual performances for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a big part of it. I mean, one of the biggest changes is out of possession that he's brought to us. And you can see that it's not fully implemented there. There's not a complete understanding of the players. Because, for example, when we press high, you've got that hybrid pressing role for the right winger. So Anthony will push onto the, the left centre-half of the other team. Then Dallo up onto the onto the left-back, which was Robertson. And this was actually for the first goal. Uh, so then the right centre-back takes the winger. And uh, that's just how you meant to close them off. And obviously, United left-back sure will tuck in and try and just contain them on that side. And you can just see that the understanding of when to commit to it, it's just not there yet. It's not fully developed. It's still it's still developing. It's improved a lot, but it's not there yet. Yeah, I think that's where, um, you know, a lot of fans are looking at the table at, at times, a lot of neutrals, I think, over the last sort of few months, looking at it going, oh, could United maybe push and, you know, compete with Manchester City and Arsenal? And I think, it's just too soon for me in in yeah. the ten hour era for sure, and yeah. it takes time for these things to to be implemented, and it takes time for him to get his own players in. There's players in there that won't be, you know, especially squad players that that aren't yeah. suited to the way he plays. Obviously, he's brought in a fair few, but you know, there, there there needs to be a lot more time. And and what he's done in a short space of time, by the way, is incredible in terms yeah. of changing attitude, the the philosophy. I think the attitude for me is one of the biggest things, you know, getting rid of Ronaldo, um, punishing Rashford for being late, even though he was the best player in the team at the time. Yeah. You know, obviously still is up there as well. And little things like that, it just changes the complete mindset of the team. But you obviously mentioned there about Anthony, and I think that's one that's got a lot of stick recently. But I don't think when people don't look at the out of possession stuff, and I think that's something. We will touch upon soon about Weghorst as well in terms of his out out of out of possession and his work rate and things like that. But obviously, you know, eventually do want to be pushing for with Man City with Arsenal. Where do you think they need to go now? What's what's missing right now? Because that performance, you know, it's it although it's a bit of an anomaly, it kind of tells a story. You know, they're probably not at that level yet. You don't, you're not, you won't see Man City or Arsenal go there and get beat seven 0 Yeah, definitely not. Um, I think there's a couple of things. I think playing in the first phase is a massive one. Uh, it starts with the goalkeeper is a massive part. I've said it for years. I don't think he was terrible today, De Gea, but Lissandro Martinez is a massive part in United playing out from the back. So he's really... The, the, any good team will trigger him and try and close off his passing angles and force the ball to someone like Varane who struggles with progression or maybe to the wide areas. And it's just too easy to stop United in the first phase and force them long, which is something that United have actually worked on themselves. But uh, actually retaining the ball, we really struggle with that at the minute. We don't sustain attacks. 
Uh, and that's what leaves us so vulnerable in transition because we lose the ball so much. So that's obviously a big thing in us, being able to compete with the likes of City and Arsenal. Yeah, I think that's where you know a lot of fans are calling for maybe the Frankie de Jong or Declan yeah. Rice to come in. And I think that, although Casemiro has been unbelievable and, and Ericsson's done well at times, but I don't think he's the complete midfielder you need in there. I think he's doing a job at the moment, obviously injured now, but I think you do need that elite level midfielder to go along Casem- alongside Casemiro. You look at Man City, they've got, you know, Bernardo Silva coming off the bench and, you know, Calvin Phillips waiting to replace Rodri if he ever needs it. You know, Arsenal, okay, they're probably in a in a similar position in terms of they probably need to find a long-term solution for, you know, a long-term replacement for Party and Jorginho because they're getting on. And, think, and uh, sorry, Granit Xhaka getting on. Um, so is that, a, is that a position you'd be prioritising maybe alongside a goalkeeper? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think the three main priorities I put this out today is a centre-forward has to be the top priority, a, a real centre-forward. Uh, then probably an eight. Frankie de Jong is obviously the ideal target. He's the perfect target for United. First-phase receiver, progressive, very retention-based, and has end product as well, as well as being... He's not the best defensively, but he's just that all-round package that United need. And a, a goalkeeper. A goalkeeper's massive. Because you see it in the big games. Every big game, United play long far more often than you, than Ten Hag would want. Uh, all you have to do is look at his Ajax team with Passway playing out from the back. It's just it's night and day at the minute, but it'll come in time. There's no doubt in what De Gea has done for the club over the years. One of the best shot stoppers, you know, in his time when he was in his prime. Still one of the best shot stoppers at the moment. He's still, you know, that's that's something to his game, which is is easily his his biggest strength. Yeah. But players have to develop with the times. Players have to learn to play out from the back. They have to learn to be more responsible in possession. You see, you know, there's goalkeepers out there that can do it that and you know and have the mix of shot stopping as well. Obviously, you can't say too much in, you know, 240 characters or whatever it is on Twitter. So I guess it's your chance to uh, go into a bit detail about the hair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is something I wanted to do for ages and just get everything <laughs> off, my, off my chest on De Gea. But I often get told that I hate De Gea and that just couldn't be further from the truth. Like, De Gea is a club legend. There's no dispute in that. He's been massive for Manchester United over the last decade. But unfortunately, the, like every role in football, the role evolves. The demands for the role evolve. And shot stopping is just, it's just not the sole attribute that goalkeepers need anymore, especially under a manager like Ten Hag. And now distribution, commanding of your area and sweeping, the massive parts of the the fundamentals that you need them if you want to retain possession. And that's just not De Gea, unfortunately. Um, he has improved this season. Not as much as people make out, but there has been an improvement uh, to an extent. So I commend him for improving, like I see people say on Twitter, but it's just it's not really enough for the elite standard if you want to dominate matches like Ten Hag's Ajax did. Yeah, and I think an issue a lot of people have is they obviously notice how good he is in terms of shot stopping. And, you know, they're, they're thinking, look, you can't sacrifice that. You can't sacrifice that to get a goalkeeper that's just good with their feet. But there's goalkeepers out there that are, like I've already mentioned, that are good with their feet and can, you know, and shot stoppers. I have this argument with um, with with Pickford at Everton. Yeah. And, look, he may not be as good a shot stopper as Nick Pope, but he's, He's a good shot stopper and yeah. he's 
good with his feet. You can get that good mix. And a club like United, who are more than likely going to be in the Champions League next season, potential new owners, a lot of money. They're already, you know, they already have a big pool on transfers, Man United. It's as simple yeah. as that. You don't bring in Casemiro, you know, from Real Madrid yeah. if you don't have a big pool in transfers. So they they can go out and get one of these goalkeepers. That You know, it's not going to be Alisson, who's probably yeah. the number one in the world. But there's goalkeepers out there, isn't there? Oh, 100%. You look at Arsenal, uh, Arteta got rid of Leno, brought in Ramsdale. It's a keeper that fits his mould and his personal philosophy. Pep went through Bravo initially, got to Edison. Gets Edison gets a lot of criticism for his shot stopping, but he fills the role that Guardiola wants, and that's mainly distribution and his commanding of his area. His distribution is the best that I've seen for any goalkeeper in terms of mm. his ability to clip it over a defence, find the fullbacks. It's just ridiculous watching him play, even in the Newcastle game. Ridiculous the way he cut them open, just like Alisson did today. So, uh, and with Liverpool themselves, obviously went through Carrius and then moved on to Allison. And it's just night and day the levels of getting a goalkeeper that allows you to play out from the back, um, makes the opposition think twice about pressing high, and it just revolutionises you playing out from the back. And it it's just something United need. That's the thing. A lot of people might just uh, associate playing out from the back as giving it to your centre backs, but. You know, when an opposition is pressing high up the pitch, you need that little clip into the fullback. So it looks impossible. It, it, the the pass needs to be, you know, inch perfect to, to clip it over the defender, uh, uh, the attacker, sorry, and make sure it gets to your to your right back or left back. But that's what Edison does in his sleep. You know, yeah. he, he'll get the ball out of his feet. The opposition will press high and it's just a little clip over, over the press and all of a sudden the game's open. You know, yeah. they've pressed three or four men and that's why teams can't, get a lot of success out of high-pressing Man City because you have a goalkeeper like that. Same with Arsenal at the moment. Teams are struggling to press them high and, and force mistakes because you've got a goalkeeper there that can just go, right, clip over, and then it's done. Yeah. And obviously, you've got you've got players comfortable on the ball like Martinez, but once you once you get that, it's like you've mentioned there, once you get that goalkeeper that comes in and, and can play out better, it's not then the same uh, repetitive build-out yeah. You, you you can obviously go to your centre backs. You can then clip it to your full backs. We see with Allison, you know, today in in transition and what they've done for the last few years. Gets the ball in his hands, bang over the top. Salah's in goal. It's as simple yeah. as that. You need that goalkeeper now if you want to go to the next level. And and yeah, and that's it's definitely something United need. And I think anyone that argues it is maybe just living in a land where you know De Gea's done a lot for the club over the years. You know, he's had some success. So, you know, it's a bit of an emotional take on him, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think you just kind of need to, you know, let go. And I understand if they want to give him a new contract because, you know, protect his value maybe. But, but yeah, I think that's definitely an area that, that they need to go into. And staying on United, I think another player who's a bit underappreciated, and definitely I know you think he's underappreciated, is, uh, is Valt Beghorst. Oh, um, Yeah, a player that... You know, some people will look at the goals and assists and he's not, you know, he's not scoring Haaland-level goals. He's not yeah. creating a lot like Kane does, maybe. But he's given United something, something a little bit different. And, you know, you look at his sort of pressing stats over the years and I saw a guy on Twitter today saying, obviously, it's it's his stats are skewed because he's playing, yeah. played for Burnley and things like that. But 
you, you can see it in this United team now. It's not you don't even just have to look at the stats for it. You can see that he, he's so vital to this team at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, he was dreadful today. In all honesty, so it's probably <laughs> a bad time to. We can ignore today, right? Yeah, to praise my God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people like to belittle how important out of possession is to a team, but to United, who are really struggling to sustain attacks, you know, dominate games. Work out of possession is so valuable, and there's no better than Veghorst. I mean, I saw it from the first game as soon as he came in against Palace. He closes down, cuts off patting angles, passing angles, yeah, um, forces the opposition long, and that's how United really win possession back most often. It's not really through interceptions. It's about forcing the opposition back and then forcing them long and winning the ball in their own third. But he's just as effective in the final third as at winning the ball back. We saw that in midweek, getting the assist for Fred's goal against West Ham wins the ball back in the six-yard box and just the ball ends up coming back for Fred who scores. So the value of that is just incredible and it's so underrated in a player and he's just, he's elite. He's elite defensively out of possession for United. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I don't think anyone that's, you know, maybe wants United to sign Veghorst on a on a permanent. I don't think anyone, any of them want him to be the main man for United for the next no. five years. Uh, you know, it's going to be a cheap deal He's he's set he's settling in well, you know. You saw him in the Carabao Cup final. I think after the game, just sat there. Did you? I don't know if you saw it. Just sat there, taking yeah. it all in, just smiling at the fans, and that's the sort of player you want in your squad. You know, he's, he's yeah. he looks like he's already loving it there. So it, for me, like if United want to go to to compete with Man City and Arsenal, you know, Vegas probably isn't your man. But to have a player in that's in the squad who can, you know, especially when you're you're winning games, you're trying to see out games that's gonna gonna, you know, press high and press relentlessly like he does. I think it, it it's it's a no-brainer. And he's he's definitely been underrated by by United fans for sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of stick for saying that I want Veghorst on a permanent. I think some people think that I want him to be the main man next season, but that's just definitely not the case. I'm a big adv- advocate for Gonzalo Ramos because he's also incredible out of possession. Um, but in terms of Veghorst, I love Martial. Martial's had a great dynamic with Rashford for like the past five or six years. Uh, and Tenag really got the best out of that this season when they've played together. But his availability is just, it's not there. So it's probably time to move Martial on. And for a backup, for a cheap backup, because I can't see Burnley asking a massive price for him. I think it's a great option for United. And I'd love him because he surprised me with how technical he is on the ball. I was a big advocate for, for Jao Felix in January, despite the, the big price tag, because all I wanted to preserve was getting the best out of Marcus Rashford because he's the main man and you need someone who's going to drop deep and create the space for Rashford in behind. And Vegas has he surprised me with it because it's worked incredibly well. And when you add that he can now play in midfield and push Rashford centrally, it's it's been great, and I think he's a really overhated player, and he's a really underrated player for United. Yeah, and I think those that are slagging him off, it's you know, it's a bit strange because Martial has not been available, you know, at all since you know yeah. since January when when Vegas came in. You know, what would United be doing without Vegas right now? You know, playing Rashford through the middle, fine, but we've seen with Rashford this season and over the last few months, he's so deadly from that left hand side, so. You know, you're sacrificing that. Obviously, you know, you can play up front. We may be seeing these performances from him if he played up front regularly. But 
you're you're definitely sacrificing that, and Rashford's then also the only option there. You yeah. know, there's no other real option if Vegas didn't come. So, so yeah, I think it it definitely makes sense to get that done on a permanent deal, and then hopefully look to bring in, you know, maybe an elite level or like like you said, Gonzalo Ramos, who's still very young, gives yeah. you know him time to sort of learn off Vegas and and you know gives him time to adapt into the team. Then you're not applying loads of pressure on him by saying. You know, you're the only striker. Martial's not fit. You've got to do the business. And that's where, like, obviously, Wegos is a bit older, 30, where, 30 now, is he? Yeah, he's, he's around that age, yeah. I think he's around 30. that age. Yeah, he's, he's got that experience and, you know, a little bit of Prem experience now. And, yeah, he could easily kick on and, and be even better next season. But moving on to Manchester City, another game this weekend. A nice 2-0 win for them. I think, like I mentioned in the intro, a bit of a banana skin, maybe, I think. Newcastle definitely dropped off recently. Yeah. But you know, they may it may have gone two ways after the Carabao Cup. They may have come out all guns blazing, trying to redeem themselves, or you know, they could have come out and and failed to sort of get themselves up for it after that defeat. But Man City came out on top. I think they approached the game a little differently. I don't think we really yeah. saw the inverted fullback sort of method. I think it was more of a traditional back four, which I think some city fans have been calling out for a little bit. I think you know, they, they've been trying, Pep's tinkering so much of his team at the moment. It's yeah. absolutely crazy and sometimes to the detriment of, of the squad. But I think they got it sort of bang on with the Foden and Grealish out wide. I think that's, you know, for me, that's something I've been calling for for, for a while now because I love Grealish. I'm, I think I'm a little bit biased towards Grealish, I'll be honest, but um, <laughs> for no reason, by the way. I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not a Villa fan. I'm not a City <laughs> fan. I'm, I'm just, I don't know what it is. But um but yeah, I think that dynamic works really well. And I think we saw the best from Foden over the last three weeks, probably. The last three games, he's been unbelievable. Oh, he was absolutely quality in that right winger role. I mean, I think back to the first game of the season when they played each other, and it was a similar dynamic. I think it was Bernardo Silva who was playing in that role. And the first goal that they scored, it was a big switch over to the isolated right winger, similar to how we saw them open the scoring at the weekend. Um it was an overlap this time, I think, from Walker. And then that just allowed Bernardo Silva to cross it in for Gundogan, I think, who scored. And similarly this time, switch it to Foden, who's isolated. Underlap from De Bruyne allows him to just have the space to just drive into the box. I don't think it was the best defending from Newcastle, but it's a great goal. It was unbelievably worked. And I think Newcastle really missed St. Maximan because he was a massive threat in transition in the reverse fixture playing on John Stones and looking to just, just hit City in transition. Yeah, I thought St. Maximum was quite effective and was quite a threat against United in the in the cup final. I think Juan Basaka handled him really well in the second half, but I was quite surprised to see him not get the nod and think, you know, I think Anthony Gordon, he struggled this season at Everton massively. Obviously, for me, the move didn't make sense at all for them in terms of the price tag, in terms of you know, look, they needed a they needed a, a forward, they needed a winger. St. Maxim's quite unreliable. I think he's it, it gets injured quite a lot. And yeah. maybe Almiron's probably not the player he showed at the start of the season. I think he was overperforming massively. So they needed a player like that. But you know, to go with Gordon in that game, I, I, it didn't make sense to me. St. Maximum, he's such, like you said, it's such a threat in transition. And and that's that was going to be the game. You know, they're not going to dominate possession. They're yeah. going to need to make the most out of these transitions. And to be fair, they had their chances, but they just, you know, didn't take them. And and yeah, that's always going to cost you against Manchester City. But I think with Foden out wide as well, I think on the left, I, I, 
I just I just don't like him there at all. I, you, Foden is quite clearly he's one of the most talented English players, you know, in yeah. in Europe. And but I just I don't think we see it enough. And I think finding his best position is is what Pep needs to do right now. Yeah. Whether it's going to be that right side, I think maybe in the future it will be more central. Yeah. But. I think that right, right, uh, sorry, right hand side positions is made for him in the city team. Yeah, I mean, Pep's obviously spoke about him understanding the rhythm of the game to play centrally. Off the left, um, with Cancelo, I think they both like the half space and playing in central areas. So the dynamics of that, similarly with Grealish, I think it just it didn't really work. But on the right, where he can be isolated with a player, then have someone take away that man with an overlap or an underlap and allow him to cut inside, I think it's perfect until he develops to the point where Pep feels he can trust him in central areas more often. But yeah, he was absolutely fantastic on that right-hand side that game. Best player on the pitch by a mile. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like you mentioned there, with, with Kyle Walker being able to produce that overlap, and he's not the most sort of threatening attacking, you know, he's not the type of fullback bombing on and, and going to be whipping crosses in, because it's not really his game, Walker. But what he does offer is, you know, like you mentioned there, sort of a decoy run a lot of the time. Someone's got to yeah. track him. Um, you know, he's not like a, a Trent Alexander-Arnold where he's going to be getting assists from out wide. You know, you, you barely see Kyle Walker get an assist, but he'll still be in the opposition half, especially in the way they played in terms of not really inverting their fullbacks too much in yeah. comparison to what they have been. And I think that works so well with Foden. And yeah, I think that's a good point you mentioned about Cancelo with um, obviously sort of Cancelo tucking in and playing in the half space. And it's not... Foden then gets isolated and he normally gets isolated 1v2 one, one in that situation if he's not got an an overlapping or an underlapping fullback. So I think that's definitely a role we'll definitely sit. The thing is with, with Pep and, and Foden, I think it was when he was just coming through at 17, 18 or whenever it was and he wasn't really getting played. And I think I remember myself saying that, you know, he Pep... Pep's going to ruin him. He's not, you know, he's not playing him. He needs to go out on loan. And Pep was always yeah. saying, no, he's staying with us. And look, everyone like me has now got egg on their face that, you know, he's he's handled it completely perfectly. You know, he's developed into one of the best young players in, in the world. So I think with, with, with that, in terms of, you know, potentially moving him centrally in, in the future, you've just got to trust Pep. You've just yeah. got to go, look, if you don't think he's ready, then he's not ready. And yeah, We've got Gundogan and, and Bernardo Silva potentially leaving. So, you know, it, it, it could be a position for him next season, couldn't it? Yeah, it could easily be. I mean, I watch the way Foden plays, the way he receives the ball, how close he keeps the ball to himself. I think he's perfect for midfield in the long term. And there's no better manager to judge a midfielder, I think, than Pep. I mean, hmm. he, he loves midfielders. He understands midfielders. He knows what it takes to play in each position of midfield. If there's anyone who's going to coach Foden perfectly to play a long-term midfield role is Pep Guardiola and I think he's just such a great player in terms of his technique and it's it's just frightening potential to see what he could become under Guardiola. Yeah, definitely. There'll be parts of his game. I think Bernardo Silva and Gundogan, they've got a lot more sort of defensive now. So even Bernardo Silva, you don't really associate him with being a, a defensive player, but you know, he, he does have that about him when he plays a yeah. little deeper. We've seen it and we've seen Pep even try and play him at left back at times this season, yeah. you know. But he has mentioned as well that Foden could play left back, so that'll be an interesting one in the future. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on, anyway. So 
you know, usually we wouldn't be so centred around one team or one game, but I think that Man United-Liverpool game just had to be spoken about today. So, yeah, so yeah that's taken up a, a fair chunk of the podcast today. But we're going to end the end the show with a little segment. Me and Jack have gone over. We've spent hours trying to work out the right team here. And I'm, to be honest, I'm still not sure on my team. But we both, we both decided a inform team in terms of the last sort of few months, basically post-World Cup, our informed post-World Cup team, Premier League team. So, yeah, like I said, we've been we've been deliberating, we've been discussing with each other, saying, who have you got here, who have you got here? And I'm still not 100% confident. And, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get roasted in the uh, in the comments or on Twitter for this. But, but yeah, we'll, we'll start off with, let's go with goalkeeper and fullbacks. Who have you got, Jack? So I went for Allison in that because I just think he's having a ridiculous season. In terms of his shot stopping, the post shot expected goals numbers, I've not seen numbers like that before from a keeper. I think it's something like nine goals prevented, something ridiculous like that. And I know a lot of people going about De Gea's last season, how good his shot stopping was, but Allison's like three times better statistically this season, which is just, it's mental. He's been so good for Liverpool. He's been the best player this season by a country mile. Um, exceptional today again, as much as it pains me to say it, but I know I know you think Leno's been unreal as well. So, but Allison for me, every time I watch him, I'm just so jealous watching him play for Liverpool. How influential he is on that back line, with how high the defensive line can play, how good his distribution is, his sweeping is the best I've seen. And uh, for fullbacks. I've gone with Trent in right back, and that's probably gonna oh, get. Is this, this guy a Liverpool fan or what? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Trent obviously gets a bad rap for his defending, but I think post World Cup he's been much improved. Um, again, great today getting forwards. Bruno really struggled against him on the left hand side, and just he carves he carves teams open in possession. In possession, there's no dispute, and he's the best right back in the world. And in terms of the left-back, uh, I went with Estepinian because I just think he's just such an underrated player. He's quality. Um, Bright, that left-hand side of Brighton with Estepinian and Matoma is ridiculous. That partnership is so good. And Deserby's getting the best out of him. Yeah, definitely. I think it's you know it's hard to argue with your your three too much, even though they're completely different to my three. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah in, in goal, I went with Leno, as you sort of touched upon there. I think we, with Fulham over the last sort of 10 games, I think in the form table, they're obviously up there and they've only conceded five in the last 10. I think that's the best defensive record over the last 10 games. And I feel like it's a bit, you know, unjust maybe to to not include a player like that. Obviously, you have Alisson, who's... It's difficult to judge a lot of the time when Alisson's performances are at a certain level every week you don't always see them have an absolute sort of worldy game or a worldy few weeks they kind of set the bar so high that you know maybe they get overlooked and you know that's probably the case for me um but yeah Leno in goal for me left back I've gone Nathan Ake I think obviously not a traditional left back not being a left back for most of his career but I think Pep said about him you know he's one of their most important players and you know if you look over the last few months and post Christmas especially post World Cup he's been absolutely phenomenal for them in, in that left back role and you know at the end of the day it it allowed Pep to to let Cancelo go who wasn't happy so you know it shows a lot of faith in him for sure because there's no not much cover there 
for for City in terms of in terms of left back. So I think that's credit to Ake for sure. Yeah. And then at right back, Emerson Royale, which I think I found this one difficult right back. So I think obviously you've got Trent. United's right back's not really settled that much in terms of Dallow or Wan Bissaka. I think with City's the same, Lewis or or um or Carl Walker. <laughs> you know, uh, Trippier's dropped off, I think, since the World Cup. I think it's a really difficult position, this one. And uh, I think Emerson, since they brought in Pedro Porro, I think it's kind of given him a little bit of a boost. And, yeah. you know, I saw him again. He had a great battle against Grealish. Um, when City City went there, I, th- I think he, he's been excellent for them against Chelsea as well, where they kept a clean sheet. I think in a couple of games they've lost this in the last few weeks, it's been when they've they've dropped him, you know, and and, and they've ended up losing. I think he's been, you know, he, he gets a lot of stick, and that's it's understandable. He's not been a very good a, a good player for Spurs if you judged him as a whole, but but yeah, I think overall, you know, over the last few months, I think he's he's been excellent for them. So yeah, it was like I said, it was a tough decision, but. Edged it, Emerson. Yeah. So now, four three three. I've gone for you. Gone four three three. Yeah. Yeah. The exact same. Yeah. So uh, we will move on to the midfield three. Who have you gone for? Um. Obviously, Casemiro has been fantastic. It's, it's it's really hard to give a United player into <laughs> today's performance, but Casemiro has to be in there. I mean, he's just mm. he's a monster. He surprised, I think, every single United fan with how good he is in possession because he's obviously notoriously one of the best out of possession in terms of how much he wins the ball back. I think only Palina and a couple of more players have more tackles and interceptions this season. But his technique on his passing, how fundamental he is to the United team is just is just crucial. You see the, the difference without him. And in that 4-1-4-1 out of possession, he can just be behind that bank four of midfield and just sweep up anything that gets through them. He's absolutely vital to how United play. And um, it's probably basic, but Martin Odegaard has to be in there for me. It's yeah, a fair shout. Ridiculous. I love watching Martin Odegaard play. I've always had a soft spot for him, just technically brilliant. Um, the way he receives the ball, the disguise on his passes is one of the best things that I see in football. Like, He'll just reverse a pass and cut through a team completely. Comfortable playing deep, fundamental to the attacks. Ridiculous player. And um, I didn't really settle on a third midfield player, but, um, you know, I see that you've got Norgard in there and Bajetic. So I will put Bajetic in there as well because it's just so impressive that a young player can come in and, and do such a good role and not look out of place in that Liverpool midfield. Uh, even though yeah. he didn't really play today, he came off the bench as I'd given yeah, up on it, the game and didn't really take he, notice. But I'll let yeah, you he was out. a he was a difficult one for me to put in. You know, I don't I don't like to praise Liverpool players too much, <laughs> but sometimes you just go. Unfortunately, you know. Everton yeah. are struggling. I can't I definitely can't put an Everton player in there. So <laughs> so but yeah, he, he he um in the derby against Everton, he was the best player on the pitch. And I think to come in at such a young age and you know, he's he just looks so dominant in there. And Liverpool's midfield has been a real problem area for them this whole season. You know, yeah. the players aren't performing. Henderson, Fabinho looks a complete shadow of himself. Oh, yeah. Tiago, yeah. injury prone. And he's kind of stepped up and 
stepped up to the plate and he's 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 looked great in there and you know technical ability you know he puts himself about a bit he's not scared to get a yellow he's not scared to put a tackle in at his aid you know and i think yeah he's been he's been fundamental for them over their sort of bit of improvement over the last sort of few weeks so i think it would have been unfair for me not to not to put in a liverpool player and uh, yeah and yeah i think he's he's definitely been their standout for me over over the last last few weeks and and yeah obviously i went casemiro as well i don't think there's too many arguments about him. I, I, he's got to be in there. I think he's he's got a shout for being, you know, top three players of the season, to be honest, and, you know, top five maybe. But, you know, he's completely transformed United. There's no two ways about it. They, it's the player they've needed for a very long time. And, yeah, yeah he's, he's been he's been better than a lot of people maybe would have expected. I think a lot of fans who maybe kind of just watch the Premier League rather than other leagues, he's definitely... Yeah. You know, definitely shocked a few of them, and then yeah, like you've mentioned, Norgard. I think Brentford. They, I think, in the form table, top ten. Uh, sorry, the last ten games, they're they're sat in in second place at the moment, and I think they're 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 sort of a team that they kind of go under the radar. You don't really discuss them too much. They kind of just get on with it and just get results. And and Norgard is a player in there that's you know he's so crucial to how they play, so technically technically gifted, but can also like I've mentioned before, put himself about a bit. He's not. You know, he's not just that technical ability; he's got that defensive ability as well. So, so yeah, he, yeah, midfield free of Bacetic, uh Casemiro, and Norgard. I think front three wise, it's going to be a couple of players which are pretty much guaranteed. I'll go, yeah. I'll go with mine because I've gone with Saka on the right, Rashford through the middle, which may be a bit of a controversial thing because he's not been playing there, and yeah. then my man Jack Grealish on the left hand side. So that it doesn't need too much explaining apart from maybe Grealish. I think he's he's been excellent recently. I think he's um he's improved massively. He's not getting the goals and assists he might be wanting, or you know, people get judged on goals and assists, it's as simple as that. But you know, the price tag hasn't helped him at all. I think if he had a 40 million price tag, he'd be judged a lot differently. But for me, he's been absolutely phenomenal. And and people that follow me on social media will Probably if a guest, I would have put him in there for sure. So, uh, who have you gone with with your uh, property? Okay, so obviously, I could have gone a bit similar, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some curveballs in there. Obviously, there's a few names, Watkins maybe, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go completely different other than Rashford. So I'll go Rashford through the middle like you did. Doesn't really need any explaining. Fantastic, to, uh, just the main man in the United side. I'm gonna go Solly March on the right because. Really nice. underrated player this season, especially post World mm. Cup. Fantastic against Liverpool in the win at Anfield, I think it was. Uh, just really, Deserve is really getting the best out of him. And similarly on the left, it's got to be Matoma. Matoma is one of my favourite players to watch. He had uh, at the World Cup, I was tearing my hair out as he was being used as a backup left wing back. Yeah, that was painful. He's just. So good going forwards. He's so enjoyable to watch. And again, Deserby's getting the best out of him. He's just a fantastic player. And he's going to get a big move at some point because he's just he's so entertaining. The end product's there. The creativity's there. He, i just got to put him in. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you for that one. I think he's... Yeah, he's definitely one that I'd give his in terms of like a, you know, an honourable mention. I think players like Ben Mee, Matoma... Yeah. It's probably a fair few from Brighton that could have brought uh, Brentford too. Yeah, uh, like Odegaard as well. You obviously went with Odegaard. It's definitely one that I was I was considering, but 
but yeah lads feel free to uh roast us on twitter um <laughs> if you don't follow us on there it's at per 90 pod but yeah that's definitely that is uh the end of the show now so thank you so much for listening like i mentioned there if you don't follow us on twitter or you've discovered us through the algorithm of spotify or wherever you get your pods then then yeah give us a follow on twitter we'll hopefully be doing these every single week analyzing specific games specific players specific managers systems things like that like i've already mentioned next week probably won't be as united heavy but you know you can't ignore a seven nil game you know both of us weren't expecting that when we were sort of prepping (laughs) for this pod so so yeah we had to touch upon that but but yeah if you're listening on spotify wherever you get your pods please rate us five stars save us you know download it do what you can to support us because we really really appreciate it and it really helps so yeah thank you very much stay safe take care all the very best Thank you.